Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. The Style That Binds Us is a lifestyle media brand that houses the Style That Binds Us YouTube channel, blog, podcast, VIP shopping experiences, with more to come. My name is Delia Folk, and I work as a buyer at one of the top luxury retailers in the world, and my mom, Allison Brune, is an in-demand national wardrobe consultant. We are the co-hosts for this podcast. Our mission is to give access to the often closed, exclusive, and insular fashion industry. In the podcast episodes, we interview movers and shakers in fashion, beauty, jewelry, and entrepreneurship. We explore how they got where they are today, what their roles are like, and where they are going. These conversations dig deeper than the surface. With every piece of content we put out, we want you to walk away having learned something, feeling inspired and confident. You belong with us, and we are better because you are here. We hope you enjoy. Today, we are speaking with Sandy Lyncher at Rita Hazan Salon. She has been working as a makeup artist since the 70s. She was one of five makeup artists in the city. And of course, today, there are millions, it seems, of makeup artists. So this is such a special treat to be able to speak with this iconic makeup artist who is one of the originals. She has worked with the top magazines, celebrities, models, and photographers in the industry. This is actually pretty major that we're getting to sit down with her today. She can count Jackie O, Barbara Walters, Brooke Shields, Christy Brinkley, Elizabeth Hurley, Hugh Grant, and so many more as clients. And we just could not be more excited to be talking to her today. She is probably one of the best people to take you from a day to night look as she perfected her disco beauty from her studio 54 days. So Sandy, let's talk about where did you grow up and when did you come to New York? I grew up very close to New York City on Staten Island Um, and I enjoyed it as a kid and I could not wait to leave. And it was very, (laughs) because it's so close to New York, but it's really so far away in terms of the place that it is. Very sweet place, but New York was where it was happening. I really wasn't ready to leave yet, but I'd gone to secretarial school. I would have been a secretary if I didn't find makeup. And I went to secretarial school, and when I graduated, I found a job in a great architectural and design firm on 55th Street and Park Avenue, right in the middle of Manhattan. I was 17, 18 years old, And I was working with fabulous people immediately. So I uh, let the word out I was looking for an apartment. And one, two, three, my girlfriend, one of the girls that worked there, found a little place for us on 87th Street. The rent was $147.50 a month. It was a five-floor walk-up. I didn't care because I was in Manhattan. And what is it that you love about makeup? What I love about makeup, I discovered with myself, because I'm a blonde, pale skin, flat kind of features, that makeup just brings out the best of beauty in women. It just does. As I was coming here this morning, a girl walked past me. She was six feet tall. She had on a little play suit, bare legs and long hair and no makeup. And I thought, oh, I could have made you look amazing. (laughs) And she doesn't even know it. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so growing up, when you're looking through magazines, what is it that drew you to makeup instead of clothes, shoes, bags, etc.? My mom got subscriptions to every single high fashion magazine, including Glamour, Mademoiselle, Seventeen, Vogue, Bizarre, everything. And she was a beauty addict. So, but she didn't know what to do with it. She would buy makeup and stock it in the bathroom, but she had no idea what to do with it. So when I would look through the, ma the magazines and I knew she had all that makeup stocked in the bathroom, and I'd look at the makeup and somehow I could figure out how to copy it. And she let me do her makeup every morning before she went to work, which was an affirmation of my brilliance. Immediately, I was confident. I, you know, I would go to work during the day as a secretary, but be in the bathroom every day, making up everyone who worked oh, yeah. there. Yeah. So it was a compulsion. And, and I loved buying it. I loved using it. There was no, never a bad day. Mm -hmm. That's really neat. <laughs> okay, so now you're a secretary. How do you get to Mr. Kenneth at Bloomingdale's? Okay, so Mr. Kenneth owned the townhouse hair salon on 54th Street and Madison. And uh, his clientele was a who's who of New York City. He did every society woman. He did every major editor of every single magazine. He did models, actresses, but mainly society women. He had a, a small booth in Bloomingdale's that sold wigs and makeup. And uh, I wanted to work behind a makeup counter because I just wanted to get close to makeup and I couldn't figure out how else to do it. So I applied for a job at his office. He hired me. He himself hired me. And I went behind the counter and I was a know-nothing. I knew absolutely nothing except I enjoyed being around makeup and I could do it on myself pretty well. But I would practice on the women that would come to the <laughs> counter and they probably have great stories to tell about that. You know, um, I mean, as good as I felt I was from the beginning. But anyway, one day... Mr. Kenneth was there late at night. It was a Thursday when Bloomingdale's was open late at night. And I worked up the courage and just said, I'd love to work at your hair salon. I knew he had a great hair salon, but I didn't really know how great it was. So I get there and like the first month I'm there, I'm doing Barbara Walters, uh, Jackie Onassis. <laughs> I mean, and I am not somebody who's really qualified to do these women, but I knew more than they knew. They really didn't know anything at all about makeup compared. I mean, I knew more than they knew, and that's what got me through the door, and that's what they liked about me. I didn't overpaint them. I was, you know, within the realms of what they enjoyed. They were society women. They weren't actresses or models. And um, I did have a great story about Jackie Onassis. I've told it many times, but this is what happened. She um, sat down in the chair and the chair went back. And I remember she was lying back and I went to the desk to pick up my makeup and walk over and I drew a line across her eye and she went, ooh. And I thought, oh, what did I do? 
I looked at the pencil. I'd forgotten to sharpen it. So it was wood across the top oh. of her eyelid. <laughs> and I walked back to the counter to sharpen it. And all she did was just lie back down again. Like <laughs> nothing happened. And I was shaking. But then I started to work on her and I got through it. The next time I did her, I remember thinking, I'm going to do big smoky eyes on you because she had these big, beautiful eyes. And I remember the brand of the product I used. It was a shadow called Fume by a company maybe out of business now called Stendhal. So I gave her the big smoky eyes and I wrote everything down on something called a face chart that I usually give clients. And I gave her, I wrote everything down on a face chart and I gave her the face chart. The next time I went to Bloomingdale's, a girl behind the Stendhal counter said, Sandy, she loved the makeup. Thank you for sending her. I said, she came here. No, no, no. Her housekeeper came and bought all the products. Oh, that's so neat. So, yeah. you know, that was neat. That's really neat. <laughs> that's wonderful. Okay, so let's talk about your time working at Vogue. How did you start working with them? Okay, so because I was at the Kenneth Care Salon, one of the editors that he was doing for Vogue magazine was named Shirley Lord. And I did her makeup. And she was this lovely, very chatty, brilliant British woman. And after doing her makeup, she interviewed me a little bit. And she wrote a two-page article on my makeup. In Vogue. That's so neat. So That's after nice. that, and I was called Sandra of Kenneth. I didn't have a last oh. name or anything. It was just Sandra, not Sandy, uh -huh. Sandra of Kenneth. And um, after that, that was like free pass. You're off wow. and running wow. into an industry that didn't really have freelance makeup artists. But the magazines were just learning we can use these freelancers to work with our photographers. They were just learning that. This was the very, very, very beginning, Perfect 1973. Time. And what do you think is one of the most iconic shoots that you've been on? I like to think, because it's photographed very, very often, there was an interview, Andy Warhol's Interview Magazine did a cover of Debbie Harry, and I see it always whenever they mention Studio 54 or Andy Warhol or any, the cover is always in the background. So that has to be my most iconic cover. And it was a fabulous day with Debbie. She, I, I'd never met her before. And she's kind of strong woman at the top of the chart when I met her, like Heart of Glass. I mean, all her music was out. So you well, I have a feeling <laughs> I was booked to do the shoot because they thought I looked like her. You do. And so, <laughs> and so the photographer even took a couple of Polaroids of us together. But Isn't that, that's fascinating. But anyway, but that, I would say, became one of the most iconic yeah. shoots. Okay, so since you brought up Studio 54, we must know. Tell me, what was it like getting ready? What did you wear? Once you arrived, what was the feeling, the music playing? Give us the whole scene. Oh, well, <laughs> it's a lot, but everyone does ask me about Studio 54. So um, 
it's a lot, but my best, one of my best friends was a hairdresser, Howard Fugler, a British guy. And I was dating one of his friends who was also a hairdresser. So at night I, I would be working all day and I'd come home at night and I'd kind of tired and they would come over, ring the bell, come in, no matter what I looked like when I answered the door, because they could do hair and I could do makeup. And Howard Fugler was also a great stylist and they were also into photography. So I have, they made me look good. So of course, if they make you look good, you're going to get out, right? (laughs) And, and the music would be playing and, and it was just a fun time. And what I realized too, looking back, I didn't know it then, but those two guys figured out the formula of getting into Studio 54. You see, they weren't going to let two guys in. But if they had a girl with them who was... A gorgeous girl. What, well, practically not dressed at all, <laughs> they would get in. And so we got in every yeah. night. We never waited, blah, blah, blah. That's and then, so of course, great. they made friends with the doorman, Mark yeah. Benneke. And, and it was never, it was always like, and those days you could get into a cab and you could just say, take me to studio. You didn't even oh, have wow. to add the 54. Wow. That's so cool. Okay. So let's talk about what is a typical day look like for you? We can do both in the beginning and now, but for example, being on a shoot all day and going straight to studio 54. Well, I'll do it in the reverse. <laughs> so what what would happen? You'd be on a shoot all day, and then I'd come home and be relaxing, and these two guys would come over, and the three of us would go out. The interesting thing was, because I am a makeup artist and I worked in the fashion industry, I was able to actually go to work the next morning looking exactly as I did when I was at studio. So I would be wearing springolator pumps to work with fuchsia tights and a leopard, you know, whatever. And I would walk in and they, they all thought, oh, she's, you know, been out at studio. It was fine. It was more than fine. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is I got away with it. I got, I didn't have to like, wash it all off and change my outfit. I could get home late and just go to work. I mean, after a while, you do get a little burnt out on that, but (laughs) it was fun for quite a while. Okay. So based on the times, how do you change the makeup looks for your clients? So the makeup in the eighties would be very different from the two thousands, for example. So how have you adapted to the changing times? The thing is makeup artists do have to adapt and what you love. I just want to tell you right now, say you love brown lipstick. I just want you to know that there will be a day that it will be considered dead and you, so you have to keep moving. If you love a matte lip, again, it will be over. It will be finished. Right now, in this particular like time, there, there are many different looks that are able to survive. But when I was working, doing a lot of makeup for fashion magazines, once a look was over, it was over. You had yeah. to keep moving. It was like a, 
a black and white eye, a contour, and when it was dead, it was dead. We're into color now. We're doing color. We're not doing contour. We're doing big rosy cheeks, no contour. I mean, the things like that will come and they will go. And you have to be very finely tuned because your client, whoever your client is, knows what's in and what's out. And they expect you to know before they know. As I said, right now, everything's kind of easier because people want the looks of the 70s and the mm. 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. But now, because we can look back on it, you can put it into decades. Okay, mm-hmm. you don't like that, but that's a 70s look. Okay. So say they don't like the lips from the... I can give the eye from the 70s mm-hmm. and change the lip. Oh, that's very interesting. So you can do bits and pieces. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, right now, someone was saying that everything is a trend. You know, in fashion right now, there's not just one main trend. They're all over the place from the 70s up to space stuff. Right. right now, with all the silver right. accessories and stuff. So it sounds like it's kind of the same thing with the makeup. Yeah. Different looks. So that's yeah. interesting because I always thought in makeup, it was kind of like what worked for you is what you, you stayed with, not necessarily... When you read all those things in the magazines, this fall you have to have the red look. Look, this fall, da, da, da. but you're saying it is, there really are trends in makeup and it is good to keep up with that. You have to keep up with the trends. And you, and you have to know that when you're doing a 70s look, I'm doing a retro 70s look, okay? okay? And adapt it for the client. Yes, that makes perfect sense. So everything has to be adapted for the face. Right. Mm-hmm. Not like back in the real 70s. We just did it. Right. Everything and it, it. if it, you weren't adapting to it, too bad. <laughs> you, <laughs> more views. Yeah. Sorry. No, you were still getting it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then have you also done fashion shows, makeup for fashion shows as well as print? I have, but n- I'm not a fashion show uh, person. I, I started out when I... 1976, I did a fashion show for Jeffrey Bean, and they only hired me, no other makeup oh, artist, ooh, and no assistant. Busy. And oh no assistant. Gosh. Oh, wow. And I still, I saved the uh, the brochure with my name on it for Jeffrey Bean. I still have that. Oh, that was but exhausting. I thought, no, I can't do 17 girls. No. Oh, sorry. No, at and, least it was only and, and, you know, so now Pat McGrath owns that whole right. industry, and she's got it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, she knows exactly what she's doing and Mm -hmm. she's absolutely amazing. And she's a billionaire. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) And what advice would you have for an aspiring makeup artist? Uh, If I were a young aspiring makeup artist, I would hook myself up with a company or a salon and not just be out there willy nilly like freelancer. I know you want, everyone wants to work for the magazines and everyone wants to work on the models and everything like that, but um, get some kind of base first because if you're living alone and you have to pay your rent, yeah. you know, you just need some security. And um, I didn't have any security at all. I lived with a boyfriend. We broke up. I mean, come on. You can't live like that. Right. So... Well, and now there's so many makeup artists too. Like yeah, you, there was, was no there was no competition. Yeah. I got booked every day. Right. So right. there's a whole different story like 40 years ago yeah. than today. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you are an author of two books. Uh-huh. How did you 
decide you wanted to write a book? How did you put it together? And let's talk about each of the books. Uh, I did a book called Disco Beauty. Well, this is the Makeup Wake Up. This is a recent book, uh, 2011. And I did it with a lady named Lois Joy Johnson. She's an amazing beauty writer. Lois and I worked together for many years. She, when she was at Ladies Home Journal, and then when she went on to more magazine. And she and I were a great team. In the beginning of my career, for the first, say, 30 years or whatever, I made up women who were basically in their 20s. Mm-hmm. I never did anyone over 30 because that, that's how old the models were and the actresses were that I was making and up. And you were. Usually, and myself. But as I got older and Lois Johnson approached me and she was working for Ladies Home Journal, everyone she was working with was in their 40s or older. Mm-hmm and 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. And so I started working with her, and I realized I was very comfortable doing that because the women I was making up related to me, and they might not have wanted to have a really young makeup artist since they wanted someone that understood how to work with wrinkles or whatever. And, And they felt comfortable. And so I was very comfortable with Lois, And she's a brilliant writer. And it was her idea to initiate the Makeup Wake Up. And um, it's a really good book. It's online on Amazon.com. And um, what can I say about the Makeup Wake Up? It just is a, a, a way of telling women you're 50 years old, update your makeup. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you about as a wardrobe consultant. What happens to me a lot of times is... They think when they come to me, they say, we're going to discuss hair and makeup next. Well, I'm not a makeup artist and I'm not a hairstylist. So uh, I have questions about that myself. So right. I know what I need to do is build a team, right. recommend people uh, right. that, in that vein. But questions about this would be a perfect book for them is what yes. I'm saying. Because yes. it's kind of like, are we still supposed to do the same eye? When your eye starts to droop, how do you make your eye look larger? Right. What do you do with all these questions? Like right. you said, with fine lines and wrinkles. And right. some people say never do a, uh, don't wear any more makeup when you're older. And that can't be true. No, because the thing about getting older and not wearing any makeup at all, it doesn't work. Less is less. It doesn't work. Show me someone who's it's working for. Right. It just doesn't work. Right. And there's a trap. Because a lot of women over a certain age are doing injectables. Oh, yeah. And so I think mentally they think that if I have my lips plump and my cheeks plump, I don't have to wear makeup, too. Mm. That no. doesn't work. That it doesn't work, girls. It yeah. doesn't work. Do whatever you want to do, injectables or not. That's your choice. But don't forget the makeup because makeup, can soften your look and and give you some, a little color yeah, right? as your skin softening sort of and fades. it's softening and it's youthful looking. yeah yeah so don't think that it's going to make you look harder and older and blah 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 especially if you're doing injectables it's very very compatible great advice 
Okay, should we do a rapid fire? We'll say someone's name and what is it like to work with them? Okay, first let's just real quick talk about Disco Beauty, too. Okay. Oh, Disco <laughs> Beauty. Okay, so I also did a book in 1979 called Disco Beauty, and um, the title says it all. Um, it was a labor of love. <laughs> so how I did this book was uh, Richard Bowl, who is a, an art director, approached me one day at work, said, we're going to do a book. It's going to be called Disco Beauty. You're going to be the makeup artist. And I said, okay, fine, let's do it. This is how we did it. I would be booked during the day with genius photographers like Albert Watson. Oh, I have to open up my book and see who else. <laughs> but these Bill King, people don't know who Bill King is. He passed away during the AIDS crisis. Bill King did every L magazine cover. So anyway, I'd be working with these great photographers and I say, I have an idea. And also the models were great. At the end of the day, let's do a shoot for Disco Beauty. And not one person refused. That's great. And it was just on a handshake. No one signed a paper. Wow. No one got paid. I didn't get paid. It was just everybody wanted even after the end of a day, mm -hmm. they wanted to keep on going. That's great. That's because we were all young. Yes, and it was and we fun were all just having exciting. A, that's it. We were having a You're lot of fun, and yeah. everyone was passionate about it. So yeah. I have this legendary book that uh, makeup artists tell me now is their Bible. That's just so beauty. Love that. Love, love, love. Okay, Goldie Hawn. Okay, so she's a great beauty and one of the icons of, of course, my youth and her youth, too. Um, I did Goldie a few times. Uh, she has a gorgeous apartment in the West 50s. And she's the type... I, I did a very, very, very natural makeup on her. Uh, and she had a beautiful area in her bathroom with daylight lighting so I knew that she wanted very natural makeup mm -hmm. and most girls that come from LA want natural mm -hmm. makeup um, anyway I would have liked to have done more with Goldie on the makeup mm -hmm. department but I did what she wanted yeah. and she, anyway she's just so funny and so lovely it was like it, upon first meeting her, mm -hmm. that's your girlfriend. Yeah. She doesn't, you know, there's no pretense. There's not, I'm a great actress and you're right. you and I'm me and all that. I was like, yeah. so relaxed. Actually, I was in the bathroom and she came out of the shower with the, you know, <laughs> like that close the first time I did it. Yeah. So, you know, right. she just looked like laughing. You yeah, know, yeah, the yeah, yeah. With the towel yeah, and exactly. And probably was laughing. Have that smiling, that big smile. Okay, Elizabeth Hurley. Well, Elizabeth Hurley's, I worked with Elizabeth, and I still work with her. I have a book coming up with her. I met her in 1995 on an Estee Lauder shoot, and um, I've been working with her ever since. So how many years is that? Mm -hmm. I don't know. She's really pretty. And she's a beauty. Um, she is naturally funny. If anyone has seen Austin Powers, she's oh, yeah. got a natural gift for comedy. Uh, and she's naturally beautiful. 
she's not boring. I can't explain mm-hmm. it, but the, something that is very exciting about her every minute of the day. Um, and actually, most of the personalities I work with are very, very exciting people. They just are naturally funny, like that Midler is naturally funny. When I work with her, I can't take my eyes off of her. She's so funny. And she acts like she doesn't know it, you uh-huh. know? So it's a natural sense of humor. And right. they're all bright. Yeah. Every single client I have, they're all very, very bright. That's great. Bright, beautiful, funny. And Here's so back. how can you have, I mean, if you are influencing the young people of today mm-hmm. it's such a great career because you're around such fabulous people right okay let's go through some photographers helmet newton uh, i have a very uh, i have a story about helmet newton <laughs> <laughs> i only worked with him once but it's a kind of legendary shoot it was with patty hansen and it was 1976, and of course, I admired his work so much. He does beautiful black and white work, and his work at that time was very edgy, very over-the-top, very sexy, everything that you want to do for, you know, a photo shoot. Um, I, I had a boyfriend who had a beautiful salon at 57th Street, and his walls were all bare, and I said... I wish Helmut Newton would come and do photography for the walls of your hair salon. And of course, the next day, I worked with a photographer named James Moore, and I was having a cigarette outside, a cigarette break. I wasn't smoking yet, but I went outside for a break, and um, there was a gentleman there who was smoking, and I said... I'd always wanted to have Helmut Newton photograph for my boyfriend's hair salon. And he said, I represent him. (laughs) I can introduce you. And his name was Bob Fisher. Now, this could never happen today. Right. Ever. This man's name was Bob Fisher. He represented James Moore and he represented Helmut. He introduced my boyfriend, Xavier, to Helmut. And there was a shoot for Xavier's hair salon in 1976. Um, I, uh, I, I chose the models. I chose Patty Hansen, and Helmut wow. chose another girl named Winnie Holman. And the girls were, and Helmut said, I'll do the shoot. There's only one stipulation. I get to do exactly what I want. And I said, of course you do exactly what you want. We're not going to tell you. you. We're not telling you what to do. You do exactly what you want. So he had the two girls that he was very happy with. And he had them nude (laughs) (laughs) under these big, huge helmet type hair dryers. And there they are nude. And of course, they're like caressing each other. These shots were all blown up huge and all over the hair salon, black and white. And where are they now? It's le- well, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I know yeah. they were sold. Yeah. But they were sold in an auction at Christie's. Yeah, that's what I would say. And I have the little book uh-huh. that has the pictures catalog yeah. in it. And they so I, at least I have a print yeah. of the pictures. Yes. They didn't disappear. So yeah. anyway, so that's, that's my helmet. That's really fascinating. Okay, Arthur Elgort. 
author um, I met at a hair salon called Sinandre the first time I ever worked with him. He was taking pictures for the Sinandre hair salon, actually. And my boyfriend worked there. That's why I was there. And then Arthur started booking me or Vogue started booking me or one of the editors started booking me to work with him at Vogue. And every now and then on Instagram, he'll, he'll post or someone who works for him will post a photograph, 1975, 1976, 77. And he always uh, names yeah. me yeah. as the makeup artist. And he always says the early years. Oh. And so I love that. That is very neat. Very neat. We were... Um, he, one of his sons, Lauren, is that right? Uh -huh. Is a, a contemporary of Delia's, and we were at a party with him recently, and he was walking around with a camera around his neck. I think he's... His son's in Warren. Warren. I know Ansel is an actor, right, right, but right. the other one, Warren, I think okay. he's maybe following in his father's footsteps, so we'll yeah. see. Well, we'll see, because he definitely is a quiet genius. Right. He was oh, very... You know, you you could not tell the models were working in his photographs. Oh, that's interesting. They, he just had the camera and would snap them almost unaware. Yeah, that kind of was like So, and that became his forte, yeah. and that's, people know his work from that. They know an yeah. author, Elgore yeah. photo. Yeah. Right. Because the girls just look so Very natural. natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting Richard Avedon. Oh, Richard Avedon. Okay, so. Oh. <laughs> okay, so Richard Avedon is the most famous uh, photographer of all time. Yeah. Uh, the best fashion photographer of all time. And he came into the world, of course, in the 60s. And so he was a legend in 1970. Three or 74 when I first met him. And I remember one shoot was with Jerry Hall. And when the, this is so long ago that when the photos came out of Jerry Hall, they were black and white photos. They came out in Vogue. They spelled her name wrong. They spelled it G-E-R-Y. <laughs> anyway, but Avedon was a cool customer. He um, he was he had a short temper. He was very good looking. That's interesting. He was. I mean, everyone knows Avedon for his. Anyway, mm -hmm. he had a huge ego. He mm -hmm. had a short temper. I was new. I was young. I was terrified, <laughs> but I really wasn't because, actually, I should have been terrified, and I wasn't. So I had been working with these models already because I was working with Vogue a lot. And one girl, Patty Hansen, I was working with very often. And I started doing her makeup. And no one told me that we wanted to have her fresh and young and no makeup look or anything like that. I didn't get any instructions. I just went with what was happening on the other shoots I was doing for Vogue. And he came in rather annoyed at me, and there was a blow-up, oh. huge blow-up. Wow. And I got an apology from Vogue, a wow. letter. I got flowers. Wow. I never wanted to work again. <laughs> the drama, oh the drama, gosh. the drama. And, you know... That's interesting. Different people are different. I thought, different I th you know, different. artists 
temperamental, yeah. Yeah. blah, blah, blah. Right. It, if that Super had happened today, right. it would be a big oh, Yes, story. it would be a big story. Just, uh, you would be on the Today Show. I would be. <laughs> <laughs> As it is... I worked with him again, and things got back to normal, yeah. like within a day. Right. Um, and, you know, my feelings healed and blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah. you know, people are just people. And the, the other thing, if you want to talk to the makeup artists out there, is that you'll never be able to meet these people. Unless you have a profession like I have. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. And to really work with them. Yeah. To be in the creative process intimate. with them. It's intimate. Yeah. It's very intimate. Yeah. It's no matter what you say, I was in the bathroom with I, uh, Goldie Horn. Yeah. Was, yeah. You know, that's I so mean, true. it's an intimate profession and you mm-hmm. just have to respect it and do the best work you can do and kind of keep it zipped. Sure. What about Grace Mirabella? Uh, Grace Mirabella, I met her when she was one of the society, uh, the great editors who had who would go to Mr. Kenneth to get her hair done, and for her engagement, I did her makeup, and at the hair salon, and um, I remember there was a time when Diana Vreeland was the editor-in-chief of Vogue, and Grace took over. And that's right about when I met Grace Mirabella. Um, She was a very direct-spoken woman. I didn't have much interaction with her, but every now and then, you know, because I was so influenced my influence in the 70s were all the European Vogues. Mm -hmm. So I would be copying or mimicking or feeling the vibes of all the European. I wasn't exactly doing a good old American Vogue mm-hmm. look. And they didn't want it, by the way. But every now and then, uh, Grace would mention, do you have to put so much lip liner on so-and-so? And I'd be like, all right. <laughs> you know, but um, anyway, I, I love her and... I, because she would not go on shoots. She was always at the magazine. Right. The other editors, like Under Jade her. Hobson or, yeah. or uh, Polly Mellon, I worked with them often mm-hmm. and on shoots. So. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because to me, Kim Alexis and then certainly Christy Brinkley, who you still work with today, they're the All American. That's a cover that you know, just came out. Of All American yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Christy Now, right? Yeah, Christy Now. Yeah. And we met her daughter, Sailor, uh-huh. in the Hamptons at an event, and we told her that we knew you and she loves you. And, um, but she's great. got almost every single page inside that book. It's oh like her wow. portfolio. Wow. That's fabulous. Yeah. She's just. And you do her makeup. Oh, yeah. 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 That's great. Sweet inside and out, right? Pretty oh, yeah. Out. And a survivor. It's like oh, there are so not true. that many girls still working the way she does. Right. She works every day. Right. She's got like her. And she's had different times in her life, oh, too. Yeah, as sure. we all have. She's got her product line, Brinkley Beauty Makeup. Mm-hmm. She has the Prosecco, mm-hmm. uh, her skincare line. I mean, she's just yeah. always and great energy. So I'm around people that have great energy yeah. and positive outlook beautiful, on life. yeah, positive outlook on life. Yeah. Well, when you feel beautiful, 
it's easier to look beautiful. <laughs> when you look beautiful, it's easier to feel beautiful and to be uh, receptive to kindness and happiness. That. So, She's beautiful inside as well. Right. Outside, that whole seems like so. Seems like that would be the case. So, if you are concerned, if you have a doubt that your makeup is looking as good as it can look, I think my advice is to go to a professional and just say, "What would you do differently? How can I update this look? Get a tune-up." I mean, most women actually do know a lot, and they're okay, but. Maybe show them your products and say, are there better things out there for me? Because makeup artists, kind of their job is to look at every product out there. So if they can give you information on how to upgrade your look, be it in skincare, makeup, whatever, take advantage of that. You always kind of know. My makeup's a little old. If you're wondering, or it could then it probably better. Better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. thing that I love about you is you have makeup from everyone. Yeah, it's not like you walk in a store and you feel like, is this the best mascara? Are they just this is their brand? Right. You know, there's just too many different brands for your average person, I think, to know. Um, for example, I also feel like sometimes even when you're using the same foundation, your skin color has sort of faded or changed a little bit, so the same foundation you're using isn't working as well. Currently, so that would be another example. Yeah, to kind of yeah, you you kind of have to know. Okay, in the summer, on a day like today, it's mm-hmm. hot and muggy. Maybe I shouldn't do exactly what I did in the winter. Uh-huh. Maybe. Uh huh. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's just a. It's. I always think that you know when something's mm-hmm. off, and maybe your best friend can tell you if you're curious. Yeah. Like, is this lip color really right? Good enough for me, or. Could I? Well, and if you've been using the same one for a while, why not get a fresh or a new model? And somebody else's eyes looking at you is always refreshing. Yes. It's, yes. it's not, it's just a different pair of eyes. Yeah, that is very true. All right, well, thank you all so much for joining us today on The Style That Binds Us as we got to talk with Sandy Linter. What, what an honor for us to get to be with you today. See you next time. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We would love it if you would go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe. The best way for us to know your thoughts is if you rate and review the Style That Binds Us podcast. This will give us the opportunity to know what you'd like to see from us in the future. Follow along on our adventures on social media at The Style That Binds Us, at Allison Brune, at Delia Folk are our handles. Until next time.